Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Please join me in reading the scripture. We'll be reading from John 1, 1 through 14. And if you don't know how to read, you can listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the the Word word was was with with God, God. and the the Word word was God. God. He was was with God in the beginning. beginning. Through Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. We're so familiar with the Christmas accounts of the birth of Jesus as recorded in the books of Matthew and Luke. We love these accounts because they've permeated almost every aspect of our culture, our secular culture, but certainly our Christian culture. How many of us, when we hear the words, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, hear them in the voice of Linus. Yep from the Charlie Brown Christmas special. The story of the birth of Christ is so familiar to us. But if we're not careful, it can become too familiar. What I love about the book of John's account of Christ's coming into the world, his incarnation, as we would say, is that the very language that John used forces us to process differently the miracle of God among us. Have you noticed that the book of John compared to the other three gospels is just kind of built different? How many of you, the book of John is your favorite? A couple, a couple in here. Good. Did you know that each of the four gospels align 
with the popular personality tests that are prevalent today, whether it's the DISC or the Myers-Briggs, that each of the four Gospels aligns with one of the four major personality types. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Matthew, for instance, is methodical. Not methodical, whatever that word. Matthew is the methodical, the process, the, the type C. He's like got a, a, a very clear structured thing that he wants to communicate. Mark is the action-packed gospel. That's the type Ds and the disc or the SP and Myers-Briggs. Uh, Luke is the likable, the analytical sometimes, but that's the type S in the disc or the NT for Myers-Briggs. And John is jubilant and abstract. It's the eyes or the NF in Myers-Briggs. That could be a fun sermon series. It's just kind of going through those differences at some point, but it helps explain why we probably tend to gravitate, gravitate towards one or other of the Gospels, and that's okay. John's, John's Gospel, whether it's your favorite or not, it's actively inviting us into wonder. That's our theme today, wonder. John's account of the incarnation takes a radical approach, saying nothing about mangers or animals, shepherds or angels, but it rather talks about time and space, light and dark, heirs and servants, word and flesh. When you read or hear John's account, it causes you to begin asking questions, and these questions are vital because they generate something very important in us. They generate wonder. This is our Christmas challenge this year, to live and breathe the wonder of God with us. Emmanuel, Christ our Savior is born. For some of us, wonder and curiosity come fairly easily. Rose, it's no problem for you. Atticus, easy. But for some of us, maybe it's not quite so easy. You see, so much of our daily lives, our modern routines, our transactional culture, tends to kind of evaporate the wonder out of us. Think of the way that you live the moments of your daily life, interacting with the world. Now consider how Rose or Atticus or your typical four or five-year-old interacts with the world. It's a totally different experience. Life, as we age and mature, tends to make that wonder begin to dissipate out of us for some reason. But wonder is such an important tool in our faith to maintain, to chase after, to hold on to with all of our might. As we've journeyed through Advent these last five weeks, the theme has been all about waiting, anticipation, feeling at times the angst that the children of Israel must have felt and living into the tension. We now live in the tension of the first advent, but we still anticipate God, Christ's second coming, the second advent. As we transition from advent into Christmas and the season after Christmas called Christmastide, the theme shifts. It transitions away from waiting and angst to awe and wonder. 
we're invited to marvel at the mystery of the miracle that God came to earth and dwelt among us. That is what this, that this plan, that Christ coming and living among us, that this was what was needed to fix all that was broken in mankind, to provide us a savior so necessary after the fall in Genesis 3, restoring us to our intended purpose as members in his family and stewards of all creation. Wonder the feeling of surprise mingled with awe caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or maybe inexplicable. But Jesus said when he called the children, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus wasn't implying that in order to get into the kingdom, you had to be a toddler or a child. Uh, but what he was doing was describing the innocence, the curiosity, the lack of pretense, the wonder that children possess as ideals to nurture no matter our age. So how do we hold on to wonder, perhaps in our old jaded hard hearts this Christmas? Well, I would encourage you to seek out two very intentional ideals that cause wonder in our hearts. The first is mystery. The second is curiosity. Christmas invites us to inhabit the beginning of the Christmas story more vividly by living into its mystery. Stepping into these scenes narrated by Matthew and Luke, especially, but even John, we're provoked to awe and perhaps to place ourselves in the midst of the action. We anxiously pace the birthing floor with Joseph. Our hearts pound with the stunned shepherds reeling on the hillsides. We wince as the baby is circumcised and nod as he's given a name that will transcend all other names. When old Simeon takes the child in his arms and prophesies, we listen intently. We marvel as the Magi, arriving with their extravagant gifts, worship Jesus. We cringe as the angry, with anger and dismay as Herod's soldiers slaughter the innocent toddlers of Bethlehem. We trudge with this refugee family as they escape into ex exile with all of its inherent difficulties. And sitting with Mary, we quiet, quietly at night, we ponder all of these things in our hearts. Like the children that Jesus admired, mystery should cause us to linger and dwell on ideas that fascinate us. Have you noticed the way kids do this so well? Maybe you even remember this feeling yourself. When distractions are set aside, you tend to begin to notice all sorts of new things around you. We have a few kids that are a part of our life group that we have weekly, and it's so fun to watch them interact and observe the world. The mystery even of someone's house that's not their own, something that's unfamiliar. 
Whether it's the way Melissa decorates for Christmas or what books we have on our shelves or even the toys that we keep in the toy chest, it's so fun to watch kids experience the world in wonder. For us older kids, we may need to find and nurture the conditions so important in allowing us to experience wonder. What many of us would consider boredom is the first key. Let's make ourselves be bored every once in a while. It's so important to give yourself time and space away from the to-do lists, away from the fun and sometimes mind-numbing stream of entertainment. It's so important to relearn how to be bored. Whether you yourself or the children in your lives, because boredom is a gift, which is often the prerequisite for finding mystery. I'm reminded of the Chronicles of Narnia. It's boredom that causes Lucy to first investigate that wardrobe and stumble into another world. Second, mystery and wonder are most likely to capture us when we expose ourselves to new things, new places, new environments, new words, new books, new music, art, beautiful objects, all of it. Expose yourself to new things. It's so good to seek out these new experiences because they generate wonder. The Christmas season also invites us to explore the, the story's theological mysteries a bit more deeply. What does the incarnation tell us about God? The God who was at the very beginning chose to be born as a baby. Why a baby, completely helpless and dependent upon his father and mother. I love the song, Away in a Manger, but you know when it says the cattle are lowing, the little babe wakes, no crying he makes, I kind of think that Jesus cried. He was a baby. All babies cry. You know, we tend to spiritualize Jesus and the birth, and that's okay, it's reverence that causes us to do that, but I think it's okay to ponder did Mary have to change Jesus' diapers? Deal with rashes? Manage a tantrum from time to time? Does this diminish our view and our reverence of God to ask these questions? I don't think so. When did Jesus become self-aware of his deity? At the very least, we know at the age of 12, when he was separated from his parents and they found him in the temple, he said, well, I needed to be in the temple about my father's business. You should have known that, right? <laughs> so at the very least, but when did he become self-aware? What does God's incarnation tell us about physical creation, about our biological bodies? What does it mean for us as humans, or for that matter, for Jesus as being a human. What does it teach us about life, about love? How might we view ourselves or our often frustratingly human experiences a little bit differently, knowing that God himself is intimately familiar with everything you've ever experienced? The highs, the lows, the ups and downs, the anxiety, the joy, the celebration. God knows it. 
we might feel like curiosity about these things somehow diminishes our reverence of the all-powerful sovereign God. But I would contend it does the opposite. It honors and worships him. What is more appropriate than bringing our curiosity and questions before the Lord to learn and to grow? So finally, let this Christmas be a Christmas of wonder in which we're intentional about giving ourselves time and creating the conditions to experience that awe and wonder in Christmas. Some of you know this, but Christmas is not a single day. It's a 12-day celebration known as Christmastide. It's not just a fun song that gets really repetitive. It's true, Christmas is a 12-day celebration. Today is the first. And after Christmas and Christmastide comes a six-week time leading up to Lent and Advent and Lent and Easter. And in this time, we sit in the awe and wonder of Christ with us. So even though your friends and your neighbors and perhaps your family may find it puzzling, you can choose very concrete ways to linger in the 12 days of Christmas this season. I'd encourage you to try that. For example, you could keep the tree and decorations up until the end of the Christmas season, January 6th, at the very least. You can continue to keep lighting your, your Advent candles over these next 12 days. Have a leftovers party on the 26th or the 28th for friends and family. If you're really radical, you can save some of your gifts. Save some of the gifts until, uh, until January 6th, where we celebrate the Magi coming and visiting Christ and giving their gifts to the child. You can plan special activities with your family or friends to just celebrate the season, ice skating, watch Charlie Brown's Christmas special, whatever it is. It's warmed up a little bit. You can go outdoors. You can experience the beauty of the snow on the trees and the cold and the wind. You can gather with friends in association with one of the lesser known feasts. Grace is a great reference for these things. She knows these. December 26th is the feast of St. Stephen. The 27th is St. John. January 1st is also the feast of the Holy Name. We'll be celebrating that next Sunday. Write Christmas cards and notes that either you just didn't quite get to, or maybe you just want to still do it. Be intentional about writing, sending cards, even through these next 12 days. Revisit the scriptures. Read the writings. It's still okay to read Luke chapter 2 tomorrow, the day after. Continue to play music that's appropriate for Christmas. Hold a 12th night party on the eve of Epiphany. If you didn't get one last night, we have a handout. It's in the foyer. It's called the 12 Days of Christmas, and it gives you very concrete examples of different things you can do to celebrate the 12 Days of Christmas. By being intentional over these next two weeks, by not letting the awe and wonder of Christmas be supplanted by New Year's celebrations and resolutions, you will unearth a new gift this year. By cultivating mystery and curiosity around the crazy story of Christ's birth and the mind-blowing implications 
of the omnipotent God born in a fragile, dependent body of a baby, you will find your heart and mind stretched to new places. As you open your heart to the Holy Spirit, as you process these questions and how they affect the way that you live and interact with your world, you will find that your faith is being strengthened. May we live and breathe the wonder of God with us. Emmanuel, Christ our Savior, is born. Amen.